15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. One of the most versatile musicians and vocalists you will hear. And he's also a lot of fun. Brian Duncan coming up today on this episode of the Classic Christian Rock Podcast. Hey y'all, this is Glenn Kaiser from Resurrection Band, Glenn Kaiser Band. Well heck, I'm, it's just me, it's Glenn Kaiser. <laughs> You're listening to Classic Christian Rock. Steve Perkins and Wildman, you guys are crazy, I love you. And by the way, if you're listening today, turn it up. Hello everybody, we want to welcome you to the Classic Christian Rock podcast. Um, it's an exciting days and that we are having here, being able to interview artists, even though we are all under lockdown and under quarantine. Um, Steve Perkins, co-host, uh, Latin teacher, rock and metal music enthusiast as well, joins me once again. Welcome again, Steve. Glad to have you aboard. Hey, wild man. Always good to be on a call with you and uh, one of our favorite artists. Yes, exactly. And, you know, like, like we keep saying every time that... Uh, um, you know, when you and I get together, the, the talking just happens. I guess it's because you get a teacher and a preacher together. The talking <laughs> keeps going on. Um, so we don't even need guests. But anyway, <laughs> so we do. We are excited about the guest we have here today, uh, Mr. Brian Duncan, someone who is definitely on the cutting edge of contemporary Christian music. And uh, we're just excited to just hear about his life and uh, how God has brought him through an incredible music career and what he has going on now. Brian, welcome to the program. How are you doing, sir? I'm, I'm pretty good, you know. I'm a little nervous, you know. This is supposed to be like a rock show, and I, I kind of feel like uh, the last few years I've been kind of a wimp when it comes to uh, the style of music that I'm doing. You know, listen, as, as long as it's music that communicates, that's what matters. You know, lyrically, right, musically, so, uh, that's what that's what's about. Yeah, because, you know, if you can be a Latin teacher and a rock and roll fan, <laughs> well, now there's an incongruity right there. I don't, <laughs> most, most of my rock friends uh, only know three chords and barely speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Although so, I can tell you that Dee Snyder, the lead singer from Twisted Sister, actually had has a Latin tattoo, believe it or not. But yeah, but does he know what it means? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can you can run into any into any kind of branding iron. <laughs> True so, enough. Hey, yeah. So hey, hey, Brian. So along the along that line, um, now by the way, Brian, I did tell Steve this was going to be fun. Because uh, you're definitely a fun person to interview, and you're not going to disappoint. You haven't disappointed already. We appreciate the uh, down-to-earth, and we appreciate the humor. Um, but how would you describe your style? I've heard so many other people describe you, what you've done over the years. Um, like, take us back to even to Sweet Comfort Band all the way through to what you're doing now. How would you describe your style of music? 
Well, you know, me personally, I, I'm kind of blue-eyed soul. Um, I grew up on James Brown and uh, Sly and the Family Stone, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I was always into the backbeat and the funk. But with Sweet Comfort Band, you had a montage. I mean, that was like a that was like a missing sock drawer in Sweet Comfort Band. <laughs> it was, you know, Kevin was heavy metal. He liked groups like Moby Grape, you know, who I know of, and Mountain, you know, that kind of stuff. And and his brother was the drummer Rick. He liked Orleans and the Eagles and you know Stephen Bishop, you know, kind of a folksy thing. Of course, I like the funk thing, and uh, the guitar player was, he knew about everything. He knew jazz, blues, soul, but he was really jazz guy, right? So, you know, he was playing seven chords, you know, and I was trying to scream over him. So you you got a real montage. How has that developed for you over the years, and then especially going from that then into your solo work and then, and then things you've been doing today? Uh, how has that style progressed or developed or, or even just flat out changed for you? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, when I went solo, I knew I wouldn't have uh, a guitar player to count on. And, you know, the style of music, uh, we, we were seeing a lot of loop things and sound sampling. And I realized that I could do a solo event uh, using a drum machine and a keyboard and, you know, play the bass on my left hand and, you know, kind of get by. Um, it was uh, financially more feasible than doing a than traveling around with a band. Um, so that would be the first thing is that's probably when the rock edge of my songs kind of went somewhere else. Um, hmm. But other than that, you know, it's been a learning curve, you know, about every five years in, wow. in music. Wow. Be, you know, because after that, you know, after sound samples, then they started getting downloads, you know, and I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, how we sell product on the road and and still make a living. And uh, now we've got quarantine stuff. I'm going, OK, how do we have an audience uh, live and in person? Uh, and how do you sing through a face mask? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well you know that the, the uh, all of us are under that quarantine now we're all figuring out how to do what we do virtually you know steve is doing is teaching um virtually i'm preaching virtually and i know you're looking at the facebook live thing and and as a lot of artists are attempting to do that um what do you uh, how, how do you how has that affected obviously it's affected touring and concerts and that type of thing um, how has it affected uh, just what you do in general? Has it given you more time to write and produce and record? Um, or where are you at with all that right now? Um, you know, I would love to say, you know, the first thing I wanted to do is just jump online and let people know I was here. And, you know, but uh, I just felt uh, God saying, I just need you to pull back for a second. And here's a good opportunity to check uh to see what the signals are from heaven uh because everybody can just throw something out there online and uh you know i didn't want to just join the herd for the sake of it um i've written a few songs but you know i'm not really sure where we're going uh you know and what we uh how we approach it um it sure seems like i may be you know recording everything just piano and vocal so it might be kind of an unplugged next 
project. But I'm still, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen with concert tours. The way they're talking about uh, being able to draw an audience uh, that may not, may not, they may not open the public up like that till like next year sometime, and that's that's going to be devastating for musicians. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing that already, and and we're talking about that with sports uh, all across the board, <laughs> and and certainly for those of us who love the live concert experience. Uh, yeah. Whether it's a small club or, or an arena, it doesn't matter. Uh, you, you just love that, and and we miss that. Well, you, you just threw it out there. You, you threw the God thing out there pretty early uh, in the interview. So let's just jump on that for a second. Um, talk to us about how the f- Christian faith, your personal faith, how that plays into your music. It, you know, Is one informing the other? Do you just happen to be a Christian guy who is a singer? Or are you really using the singing and the music making as a ministry? Kind of how do you see all that playing out? Well, um, that's a quagmire in itself. You know, it's like which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I always wondered about the bigger picture and about, you know, uh, what things, I grew up, my dad's a preacher, so I, I got plenty of scripture from the very get-go. But I, you know, my my whole life has been about sorting through the truths and the falsities. Uh, is that right? Is that can you say it yeah. that way? Uh, you know, I I have a working relationship with with God through prayer and reading the Bible, uh, which probably scares a few people. You know, you don't just walk up to a total stranger and say, you know, I talk to God and He talks back to me. Uh, so, but you know, my songs have been kind of, you know, it's been, it's been an ongoing conversation, uh, not with, not just with God, but with his friends and, and God kind of speaks to me through his friends and through his word. And, you know, a lot of it is just determining who's doing the talking right now. And trust me, I got a lot of voices in my head and, um, so I, it's just a matter of staying on track, and my songs have, are just kind of a diary of a walk of faith. That's all it is. Wow. Sounds wow. like it'd be a good album title, by the way. Oh, there, I got, I got of plenty of album titles. I just don't have the budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Brian, just just for a moment here, I'd like to take you take us back. Um, when you first uh, had the inkling or first, if you want to use the term calling, um, into this, into music, um, what was it that caused you to get in, get started? What was it that caused you to start singing and uh, start performing and, and doing music like the way you do? Well, I grew up in church, number one. My, da, my, my folks sang and played piano and guitar, so, and I, I had a accordion lessons when I was six and dad taught me to play the bass just because you know nobody else was in the church there volunteering so you know I I was introduced to music early on but I I started writing songs at about 16 years of age mostly because I couldn't play anybody else's so I would make stuff up because it sounded like I knew what I was doing then and I've made an entire career out of that. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you, you, you mentioned, uh, I'm kind of staying with that, uh, Wildman. Um, 
you know, you mentioned James Brown and you mentioned, you know, funk and soul and, and anybody who listens to your stuff, especially, uh, after sweet comfort band, I think those are some of the words that immediately come to mind. You hear funk, you hear soul, um, you hear, uh, jazz and blues. You hear all those elements in your stuff, uh, whether secular or Christian or whatever, uh, who else are some of the artists that particularly influenced you? And I would maybe put that on two levels, one as a vocalist and one as a, an instrumental, you know, your keyboards and, and so forth. You know, it's hard to tell. I, you know, I was just a kid listening to the radio growing up. You know, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't a fan of somebody most of the time. I, you know, voices jumped out at me on the radio, though. James Brown was one of the first. Because he sounded like a Pentecostal preacher to me, you know, he'd he'd be screaming, and I'm going, wow, that sounded like my dad. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but you know, later in you know when the Sweet Comfort Band started, uh, when I, well when I came, first came to California, uh, a lot of people thought I sounded like Elton John, so you know I was kind of listening to his stuff to see how I could be a little different than that. But you know, I I think I just I would hear stuff that I liked and the the voices that I would probably imitate were just from songs that I liked, which would include stuff from Kansas, you know, the lead singer from that group and uh, Bobby Kimball from Toto. And uh, and I can't think of, you know, Sly and the Stones uh, and the Family Stone was, you know, I just like their the way they twisted their words and their phrasing and uh you know so i mean it's just a it's a montage uh, you know i didn't grow up uh worshiping anybody well and you mentioned kansas and and i gotta throw this in there at this point um wild man a, a mutual friend of ours i think for all three of us uh a guy named mark middleberg uh christian apologist and works with lee strobel uh a lot and uh, I was texting Mark that we were going to be interviewing you. And he was reminding me, he told me the story before, that he helped bring Sweet Comfort Band to Minot, uh, North Dakota, back in the yeah. 70s. And you guys actually stayed at his house for, I guess, a few days during the tour or something. Yes, I do remember that. You know, Minot's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> There's nothing to do there. I just remember that. I still remember that, man. I remember uh, sitting there going, okay, I'm all dressed up, got nowhere to go. <laughs> well, Mark is a huge Kansas fan. And so when you mentioned Kansas, I'm like, oh, my goodness, all, all the threads are coming together here. <laughs> well, you know, I got a chance. Uh, I was on a cruise ship with a bunch of different artists and uh, – it was when Kerry Livgren, you know, first kind of came out as a believer and they had him on the cruise and, you know, I got to sing Dust in the Wind with him and talk to him a little bit. And eventually I met him in a bar down in Sterling, Kansas. He lives down in Kansas someplace. And I was when I was on the road, I stopped by. And um, so, you know, it's kind of it was kind of nice that I got a chance to actually meet a couple of the guys from the band. Cool. And I sang on, eventually, they got a new singer, uh, you know, they, they went through some changes, and I sang on the one of the last records they did the, called Drastic Me Measures, 
and I I got to do some background vocals with him. So you know, yeah, I and I would probably do more of the screaming rock and roll stuff if I had a guitar player all the time. Wow. Well, it's it's kind of clear, you know, to me, Brian, that um, when I hear you and when I heard you uh, growing up, um, and I heard your style, and as you just mentioned, it really is doesn't fall specifically on this on the side of rock and roll. Um, there's no question. Steve and I were talking about this. You have a very distinct, clear voice, and it is something that you can tell is versatile. It can go with multiple styles. Um, so you're definitely gifted in that area. And I just wanted to commend you and that I know many people have over the years, but I wanted to be able to commend you that, uh, you, you have a natural ability to do what you do. Um, and we're very impressed by that. Well, it's nice of you to say, but again, that, you know, the, the way a person sings a lot of times, if you're not trying to in, in, impersonate someone, you know, I've heard a lot of really good singers, and they're usually doing cover songs of somebody else. And so you're trying to kind of fit into a genre that that, that vocalist is in. And, you know, I, I imagine the originality of the way I sing is, is just because I, I didn't follow one piece of advice. Right. How, how have you managed to maintain your vocals over the years? That's something else that we've talked about. You know, we're... <laughs> We're all advancing in our years, and uh, you know, there's well, the I'm getting a little worried. You know, <laughs> I'm getting a little worried. That was a very you polite know. way to put it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't sung since February, and so uh, you know, um, you start to get a little worried about it. You know, my I didn't have to exercise my voice much in the early days because man, we're we're playing five nights a week uh, most of the time and so you know I, I i know how to compress air and and push it so it hasn't really been a matter of uh warming up or anything it's like i'm a, i'm like a bagpipe <laughs> you just, <laughs> just squeeze on it and the air comes up and you know it'll i'll hit the notes there you go. There's a there's a, uh, a title for the next album or book. I'm a I'm like a bagpipe by Brian Duncan. Oh yeah, let's. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of. Uh, we won't even get into the titles of records that I wanted to name. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about Brian is, uh, you know, I I was uh, really big into the Christian rock scene as a fan in the '80s and. I remember a lot of, you know, there was a lot of controversy at the time about Christian rock or just Christian contemporary music, not even on the rock side. Um, there were picketing, there was pickets going on, uh, people, people from churches protesting, calling it the devil's music. I'm just curious, you with the Sweet Comfort Band going all the way back then when you were starting, when that was something that um, uh, the, the church didn't look too favorably upon, did you experience um, controversy at that time? We probably didn't get as much as most people. We were on the West Coast, and California was, you know, mm. pretty cutting edge in the way of just about anything. So nobody was really shocked at what you were doing. Um, I think sometimes there was, you know, this quizzical look that you'd get because, I mean, we were we were planning to, you know, complete non-believers most of the time. Schools, parks, you know, other facilities, beaches, and uh, 
So, I mean, there was probably a quizzical, wow, these guys are saying something else. Um, but we did tour once. I think we were down in Texas once where we, we pulled up and there was a bunch of picketers and they were burning records. And I, and I said, you know, I, I thought the record was better than that, but, you know, maybe they didn't like it. yeah you know that's one of the things steve and i have talked about before on this show with other guests as well is is how geography um impacts um what you face you know like the west coast is different from the midwest versus the east coast and and you know as fans growing up you know the common fan doesn't think about that but the artists um definitely do um one of the one of the questions that I would also have for you is, is you know, being so active as you have been, um, you look at your list of accomplishments, your list of albums. Uh, I look at this and I say, man, this guy's never left the studio. I mean, he's always recording or he's writing a book. You know, he's always active and you and you you are active up until this day. Specifically, it's called, the, you know what that is? That's called attention <laughs> deficit disorder. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. You know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me is to stay safe at home. There's nothing safe in my mind. And, you know, staying home is uh, makes you kind of climb the walls. But yeah. So what what have you seen change specifically music wise, recording, performing over the years? Uh, what is what are some things that you wish didn't didn't change and some things that you appreciate some changes that you appreciate? Oh, man. You know, one thing that I wish didn't hadn't changed is, you know, when we went to when Christian music went to a utilitarian, uh, you know, service to the church community, everything was worship music. And it was, you know, it was real, uh, in my opinion, was there was no experience in it. There was no specifics. You know, it was our God is an awesome God, and that was the end of it. And it's like, wow, no, no personal relationship, uh, insights, no nothing. Uh, and and there also was, you know, at some point it, it was the death of uh, music as evangelism. You know, you don't you don't see a lot of churches backing outreaches to the community using music that the community might like. You know, other than, you know, doing what they do in church, which has become very safe. Wow. Um, that would be the part that I don't like. Um, the good things. Well, you know, I'm not carrying vinyl records around. <laughs> That's always a great thing. You know, you can't pack too many of those in a suitcase. You know, back in the Sweet Comfort Band days, I remember carrying vinyl records around. We needed a tandem wheel uh, trailer. To carry, just to carry the product. That wasn't just the equipment. So, you know, it's kind of nice that uh, you can sell something in a f- smaller format, but, of course, it's download, and, you know, it's hard to see and it's hard to package uh, your your content in a way that looks like anything. Well, it, yeah, I got to say, one of the things you can, you know, I do think about the, the today you can hear artists maybe that you, you wouldn't have had access to before, or you can get sample it out. You maybe hear a little bit of it on uh, any one of the streaming services or YouTube or whatever. And I got to tell you, I distinctly remember where I was when I bought Holy Roland back in 1986. 
Um, I don't mm-hmm. think was that your second solo album? Yeah, it was the second one. I remember it well. You know, I, I, I went out. I went out. I in the studio. I recorded all this. Uh, it was a black gospel straight up uh, takeoff, and I did a lot of screaming on that record. And then I realized now I got to go out and sing that every night for five <laughs> five days a week. And uh, <laughs> you know, I regret it. I regretted all those screams occasionally. Um, it gave me vocal nodes uh, about two years in. So I love your propane grill. Well, life just got a little easier with propane taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service. That's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date and propane taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code tank 10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code tank 10. Visit propane taxi. No contact, no commitment, no problem. This message is sponsored by Amazon. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. (laughs) COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel, but now there are vaccines. It's okay to have questions. Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. I got to take uh, voice maintenance courses for about three years to get Mm. back in shape. I was going to say, the thing is, I remember back in those days, uh, unless you lived somewhere that really played Christian music on the radio, you didn't know what songs were on an album. And I remember buying that album. This is a case where where the, the cover sold it. Because I'm like, okay, here's this guy. He's he's leaning on the microphone. The the album's called Holy Rollin'. I'm going. This, this looks like this is probably going to be pretty good. Got that thing and probably wore the cassette out. It just it became one of my all time favorite albums. And uh, scroll ahead 30 years, and our son had gone to um, uh, a Bible camp over over the summer for a week. And went to pick him up, and they were playing some music. And I thought, man, a lot of this stuff kind of takes me back to when when I was a kid. And I thought, I'm going to go home. I got there's some albums I got to reorder on CD that I'd worn the tapes out of. And I I bought three, and one of them was Holy Roller. I was like, I got to get that get that album back. Mm-hmm. So I did. And our kids were little. Our, our son, like say, he was mid teens. And immediately, both our son and daughter. Uh, just loved, only want to do what's right. And man, every time we were in a car, they'd want to hear that song. And the other day I said, hey, I said, I'm going to be interviewing Brian Duncan. I said, you guys remember how you guys like only want to do what's right? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we really like, like that song. So I got to say, that album really, really meant a lot to me. <laughs> and it has to our whole family. Well, that's really nice. You know, uh, I got Tower of Power to play the horn parts on that on that record too. I remember having them in the studio for that very really? song, and I wrote, wrote him a check. And the one guy was telling me, he says, "You know, we're gonna spend this on sin." <laughs> and I'm going, <laughs> yeah. Then, but then they asked me if I would write for them, and I said, "Well, you know, my songs are Christian, so you you might not like the outcome, but um, <laughs> it it was sure it was sure fun to do, you know, funky stuff." 
you, and you, you know, Brian, it's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that when you're talking about, you know, the secular artists that you have worked with. And you mentioned about, you know, starting off a sweet, sweet comfort band and you were pretty much playing in front of non-believers. Um, uh, and I think I heard you mention here earlier, just just a few statements ago about that the evangelism side of music kind of took a back seat in the Christian community. Um, I guess my question would be because I'm really curious about that. My question would be, when do you think that occurred, and why do you think that occurred? Uh, it's hard to really tell. I, I just know, even in the very early years, maybe three or four albums in, touring with Sweet Comfort, we were starting to hear a lot of the rock bands uh, doing a, a worship song, because that way they got radio airplay, and it, it generated uh, an audience draw of its own. And then, uh, you know, Christian radio wanted a unique, you know, definable sound musically so that Christian music had an identity, a genre. You know what I mean? When you hear gospel music, you know exactly what it is. And you hear rock, you hear metal, you know, it's it's a genre. Um, We, you know, got killed in that world because, you know, we weren't about a genre. But they simplified uh, Christian music down to the lowest common denominator. And there's nothing that will ruin music for me any faster than that. It's like, let's keep it as dumb as we possibly can and Mm -hmm. as easy to remember. And suddenly there's no creativity available. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's something that I've... uh... I've heard other artists talk about as well and, and concerns, um, you know, about about the creativity side of things. I think you mentioned the term um, experience before, you know, like writing about your own experiences as you're as you're uh, working out your faith and walking in your faith. And, and you know, when you say that, you know, when you hear your music, you know, you can you can see that desire from what you write. I was telling Steve that uh, when I hear your name, when I think of your name right away. Um, love you with my life is what I think about right away. Mm-hmm. That's one that has just that stuck with me. I heard it. I heard it all, many times on the radio, and and just that message and just the seeking side of it, um, where it's not it's not like you're you're saying you know I have it all together. I've I've accomplished this. All of your music has that seeking tone of um, I have a, my heart's desire is the following. Um, right. And, well, see, you know, it's like, I don't think we need more people to tell us what we ought to do. It's like, show us how it's done. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's been always my my thing. And because I'm not uh, super bombastic, because, you know, I when I even when I when I make a statement, I wonder what the the guy on the back row thinks of it and and how he might hear it that's different than the way I think he's hearing it. And, um, and of course that makes you suspect to, uh, to, to the gatekeepers, we'll call them, you know, pastors and teachers or who are, who are judging your every move and, you know, might not see your heart in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, speaking of your heart, I I wanted to bring this out today because one thing that I've been very impressed with, um, is that when I see you on social media, 
and I look at your website, um, there's no question that you you make yourself available more than how I've seen other artists make themselves available. Um, the first time that you um, responded to me on on Twitter, I I couldn't believe it. And I and I and if I remember right, I think I I tagged Steve next, and this was a couple years ago, either maybe about a year ago or so. And then Steve was like, "Is this the real Brian Duncan?" And I was like, "Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> it's the real one." You know, um, I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> Am I really the guy? But you, you know, when I look at your website, I'm, I'm looking at your website right now, and I see that you know you have a place for people to click individuals who want to uh, connect with you, and the first thing that comes up is your private forum. And yeah. And looking at that and, and just that concept of you, you have a desire to build relationships with people um, that, you know, with everything you've accomplished and it, being at the artist level, it's it's not like you're way up there. It, it's like you're trying, you, you are really putting yourself on the same level as your fans and trying the best to support them and pray with them and understanding we're all on the same journey. Um, can you talk about wh- why why that is? What 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 is it that inspires you to do that? You know, I, maybe just because I was raised in church and I watched my dad, <laughs> you know, reach out to people and visitors were all important. And uh, my mom was always going, "Did you shake hands with those people? They, you know, they're new." And I was just from the very earliest days, I was made aware of of visitors and people and in in my parents lives only people mattered and it it, it's kind of carried over i guess um i I don't see somebody who's gonna buy my record i i see somebody who is probably looking for the same truths and find and the search for the for significance in their lives and purpose and Mm. i'd love to say i have my act together but i don't and so it's kind of hard to act like you're something. Um, hmm. the, the private forum is for people, you know, I was trying to make a way for, because a lot of people have supported my music when, now that I have to crowdfund my music. You know, I'm still doing music because there are people who believe in my music before it's even recorded. And that's really saying something. And I think that's a direct result of being uh, available to individuals. To not to see somebody as a newcomer or as somebody you have not met yet, and it's that's just important. I mean, that's personally that's ministry. Yeah, yeah. I think I think just seeing that is an inspiration to me, and I, I'm sure it's an inspiration to our listeners. Um, hearing you say that, you know, uh, I heard a, I, I've. I watched a lot of those, uh, the breaking of the band kind of things. And I remember them talking about one band. I won't mention their names, but, you know, they they got out on the road and they were the biggest things in sliced bread, just hit after hit. And they got out on the road for, they were probably on the road for two years just doing this one album. And when they came home, they had to get back in the studio. They didn't have any songs. They didn't have any song ideas. And it was because they had stagnated on a bus with themselves and hadn't had any interaction with people on the outside of their own lives. And it was all kind of revolving around backstage and rock stardom. And, and uh, you know, maybe that's the truth, too, is 
is to be involved with people on a daily basis um, from from different walks of life is what uh, inspires new songs and uh, gives you a reason for, uh, you know, I'm, let, we need to talk about this. You know, like my new stuff, um, you know, I'm, I've got a lot of friends that are facing uh, fights with cancer or who have lost their battle to cancer. And um, I realized I, I need to start writing about uh, the, the, the fourth quarter of our lives and, and how do we stay optimistic and upbeat and how do we stay connected? And, um, but I wouldn't know that if I wasn't singing at funerals or, you know, talking to somebody on the phone or on social media about what they're going through. Uh, you, you just wouldn't, you would only, you'd be so self-absorbed that you, you wouldn't have anything to say. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was the money part of this interview right there. Yes, absolutely. Because I'll say that, that that would apply, if you think about it, to any professional walk of life. You're going to be a better uh, public leader, an elected official. You're going to be a better uh, police officer. You're going to be a better doctor, teacher, pastor. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are connected with people, really talking to folks, what what's going, through, going on in your life? Where does my life intersect with yours? How can we bring our shared experiences, help each other, and so forth? Uh, but when you're squirreled away totally in the research lab or totally in the ivory tower or totally uh, just on the tour yeah. bus, you don't get that. That that, that was huge. That's yeah, huge, Brian. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. probably why I'm still here 20, 30 years later still doing music because, you know, what I'm singing about today isn't what I sang about 10 years ago. With the possible exception that I'm still pursuing grace and uh, and knowledge of Jesus. And because I think the Bible, you know, from what I've gathered is, you know, God's primary purpose for us is to know him personally. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what what knowing other people is like, too. You know, you you uh, you know a person by their by the details in their life. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Are, are there still things that you're wanting to do musically? I mean, some of this we've been talking about has been lyrically and, and that content to the songs. Uh, are there areas you want to explore yet, uh, whether it's vocally or instrumentally um, in terms of the music itself? Well, I've done just a, I've done a little bit of everything at this point. Um, I'm just doing what's coming up. And lately I've been doing a lot of funerals. I had a guy ask me, the last thing that I did this year was a funeral, but he, he didn't ask me for my songs. <laughs> well, he's kind of miffed, but, you know, his dad was 96 and he wanted he wanted the old hymns. So, you know, mm-hmm. I went back and I, I did an arrangement for the old Rugged Cross and I did an arrangement for uh, I Come to the Garden Alone. And mm-hmm. I was stunned. I, mean, I was I was I was stunned. You know, the especially the old Rugged Cross, you know, um, when I was working on the arrangement, there was sections of that song that I, I had to stop, take a break. You know, maybe I'm getting mushy in my old age, but, you know, knowing what Jesus did for me has a different impact when you're when you're getting closer to meeting him personally. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, um have a question here. We've been wanting to ask it this whole time. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about where this lunatic idea comes from? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, I did an album called The Anonymous Confessions of a Lunatic Friend, and I was, you know, I was really looking for counseling at that point in my life. I, I was aware that I was angry about things, and I didn't like some of God's friends. You know, this is one of my <laughs> first prayers. Dear God, I don't like some of your friends. Uh, and I, I realized I didn't have all the answers, and I was trying to pretend like I did. And, and then I got this smart aleck uh, uh, idea that, you know, how when you're afraid to admit that it's your problem, you'll go to somebody and say, well, I have this friend and they have a problem. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought it was hysterical. And so I just thought, we'll make an ex- we're going to make a hysterical song about I've got this lunatic friend. And it, it turned into a nightmare. It's uh, if you listen to that song, it's. It's got two time signatures going at the same time, <laughs> just to add to the to the chaos. And uh, you know that was the that was the whole idea was, can I ask for help for myself, you know, without having to tender my resignation from a faith in Jesus, you know, because I grew up in evangelistic circles where man, if if you had a problem, you better keep it to yourself. Hmm. So, Brian, you know, there's a lot that's happening right now. We talked about the quarantine being under lockdown. Uh, Concerts are being affected. Touring's affected. Um, Your fans, your supporters, what's the best thing you could say to our listeners that they could do now to support you? Well, we have ways to uh, contribute money toward my campaign. Uh, I don't you know, it's going to be hard for us to ask for money for music when there are people standing in line for food right now. And so, um, you know, pray about it. I, I don't know what to tell you what God wants us to do. But, you know, my my primary concern at this point is is for lives and souls. And I'm not really sure how I apply myself to it at this point. Uh, but you can support my stuff at brianduncan.com. And at the end of the day right now, I'm I'm not so much worried about, you know, whether I'm doing music is whether I'm doing what God has in mind right now. I was thinking about Moses the other day, you know, is like most of his life was spent on the backside of a desert, which is kind of where I live. And, but, you know, it, when the time came, God asked him to lead the children of Israel. And you almost don't remember his first job, which was out in obscurity doing nothing. And I think, who knows, maybe this is for such a time as this, that God has been preparing us. And all the things we've done to this point is just activity in the waiting room till God's saying, OK, now I have the real plan. You know, it's like you you spend all your time, you know, working on strength and character, and uh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is a, a new world that we're going to – well, it is a new world that we're going to face. And, I, you know, I'm all ears at this point as far as what we do next, and I'm, I wish I could tell you what that was. Mm. Now, I think we're hearing a lot of people say that. I I see it all over uh, social media. I 
see it in traditional articles and just even conversations I'm having uh, with people. Um, you know, not that God has caused anything, but what what is he going to do with this? Um, you know, what is he uh, inviting people who are willing to listen uh, during this time of forced <laughs> quiet? You know, I heard a... a... One of my friends at church uh, who was doing the announcements or something, he said, the Bible doesn't say God causes all things. It says he causes all things to work together. <laughs> it's like I'd never heard it, you know, stop mid-sentence like that and say something uh, even more profound. You know, I don't believe God caused this. He allows it. But then mm-hmm. he, turns it into, he turns it into his own will and whatever he wants to do. And Wow. What a great time to be alive uh, if we can be on the front lines of his will. Is you know, I, I heard what you were saying about uh, your music in this season and uh, the concern for people and their lives. Uh, I think anybody who's really got a heart uh, would be thinking along those lines. Uh, but I would encourage you, just don't, don't ever think that your music isn't feeding people. Um, because those who have hearts and souls that vibrate that way, uh, that God has made them that way, um, we feed off of music and uh, both the lyrics and then when the lyrics and the the music part of it go together in that just right way that touches our hearts, um, edifies our minds, um, all of that. Um, that is so important, especially in days like this. Well, you know, I, I hope people will continue to uh, follow my music and support it. Um, but in the meantime, you know, uh, I think you should pray about what you should be doing right now, just like I am. Wow. Well, Brian, you know, we appreciate you coming on. You're, you know, you, you've had a, an incredible career. Uh, you've impacted many lives. And uh, we're excited about what God has in store for you next. Um, and, uh, and, and just excited to see what he has down the road. Um, and who knows, I, I just love your passion, your heart and your, your admitted uncertainty. If I could say that, that you're, you're saying, you know, right now I'm just in God's hands and where he leads, I'm going to go. And, and that's the message that all of us, um, can have. So, um, uh, real quick, um, did we mess, did we mess your food order too much up too much tonight? Because I know when I first asked you to be on the show, I gave you this time frame, and you're on the West Coast here three hours uh, before us. You you said something about you get kind of cranky before dinner, and you've been pretty good. <laughs> you, you've, you've kept yourself in check, so I'm proud of you. Hey, well, I'm not hungry. You know, it's my wife that usually gets hungry at 5 o'clock, but, um, <laughs> you know, I tried to order online, and uh, somehow I didn't get it done right. I, you know, I'm not tech savvy most of the time. So now I got to go, I got to go pick it up and uh, risk my life for food. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully it's good food. Yeah. You get some good stuff out on the West Coast, right? Yeah. El, El Pollo Loco is the crazy chicken. Uh, I, I thought maybe you might have them back there, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Mexican chicken and it's, it's pretty good for wow. on, eating on the fly. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming on today, sir, and we certainly will have you on again. And folks, you can find him at brianduncan.com, and you'll see every possible way you can connect with him. 
and uh, on mm-hmm. Twitter. It's uh, at Brian Duncan on Twitter, correct? Yeah, I'm at Brian Duncan, Brian underscore Duncan, and you got to spell Brian with a Y to get my professional page. And uh, by the way, maybe the next show we could do all in Latin. Uh, hey, <laughs> that sounds see, good. Let's see how that goes over. <laughs> yeah, hey, and, or, and then the next step would be your next album could be all in Latin because Steve would be able to help you with that. Absolutely. Oh, you know, sure as the world, somebody would be saying, you know, I think he's playing his music backwards. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you for joining us, Brian. This yeah, thank you, Brian. Great. You bet. It was nice to talk to you guys. I had fun. Yeah, you thank too. you. Thanks. In this episode, Brian Duncan reminded all of us that during a time like this or under any situation, we are to be ready and willing and able to allow God to direct our paths, even in a time of uncertainty. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. If we put him first, we can do just what Brian reminded us of, and that is to allow God to lead and direct and open and close doors and take us exactly where he wants us to go. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. One hundred fifty years of breakthroughs, milestones, and triumphs. One hundred fifty years of Children's National Hospital. One hundred fifty years of generous community support. You can give kids a future where they get freckles instead of chemotherapy and paper cuts instead of surgery. Children's National Hospital. One hundred fifty years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org/slash/one-hundred-fifty-years. That's childrensnational.org/slash/one-hundred-fifty-years.